Hey, profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum of Rick Edelman College of Communication, class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold. I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. Jess, we start out very superficial on the show today. Let's just let's admit it. Yes, we do. We talk a lot. We talk first about most well, so today on today's show. We got Mike and Al, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so we, we go right to his style. Yes. We didn't talk any substance with him right away. We go right to the, the way the guy looks. Well, he's always impeccably dressed. Yeah. Wonderful suit. Everything fits well. Pocket square to match. Always dressed to the nines. And that's very impressive because not many people, including myself, are investing that much in what they're wearing these no, days. No. Because a lot of us are part virtual and I can't remember the last time I bought myself new clothes, but... I mean, that is not the most important thing about Mike No, Allen. no, no. But, but it's, it is a important thing about it him. It is. It is. He has more than 20 years' experience in securities financing industry. He has worked for J.P. Morgan for the past 12 years. He is very active on our foundation board. And he lived in London. I mean, he lived obviously London, the town. most important thing to Rob is that he lived in London for two years, which we talk about. So... Mike is an awesome guest, um, an all-star alum, and uh, a Central Jersey native, which I always like to throw in Central Jersey because I'm a Central Jersey girl. And we never asked him pork roll or, or Taylor Ham. Oh, we well, he would that. have said pork roll. Oh, good. Okay, good. No, <laughs> I'm, I get down with that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Enjoy today's show. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Sorry there's no studio audience. I am a huge fan of you both. Oh, <laughs> not, only on, not only on the show, but honestly for everything that you guys do for this school. Thank oh, you. All thank the support you. that you provide to the school and the students. It's really remarkable. I and I just want to, in the upfront, thank you guys oh. for that support and service. Well, the feeling is very mutual. We're yeah, very excited absolutely. to have you on today. Yeah. Did you, now, wait, we should, we should uh, pull back the curtain and say that Mike, we have an ongoing like joke with Mike that he's best dressed alum. <laughs> there is nobody better dressed. <laughs> we did than have Mike a great Allen. guest this week who had amazing shoes, yes. Stephanie, which I'm not sure we'll air before or after this one. But um, Mike is best dressed, so we've been joking about wearing tuxedos and ball gowns <laughs> here today. We, you did not, but I wore a dress today, which is rare. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's all ver- for you. It's very kind of you, but if you looked in my closet for my casual clothes, I yeah. probably still have T-shirts from college days. Well, and, that's good. No, yeah. we glue. We like that side of you, but we also like to see you dressed to impress. And yes. that's what uh, what was what, what the event was. Oh, it was um, the vet school opening, groundbreaking actually. And then at night we had the event. Uh, the event. And I joked with um, with Mike. I was like, "You got a second change of clothes." He's like, eh. <laughs> "And next thing you know, he had a second change." <laughs> yeah. Guys, have you always been a fashionista? Is it called fashionista for a guy? I don't know. Uh, have you always been a fashion forward no, guy? No, I wouldn't say that, but I would say my son does. Really? Uh, very, very well-dressed kid. A lot of style. Um, for me, you know, I, I dress professionally in the office. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's a rare moment you'd see me without a tie. For many, many years, I'd be clean-shaven, tie every day, like a New York Yankee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I like that. Are you post- a Yankee fan? But I'm not. I'm a Mets fan. Oh, oh. It's <laughs> a sore subject right now, but... Um, 
I would say, generally speaking, COVID has relaxed things a little bit. So open collar. Okay. All right. All right. Big deal here. Open button. Did you grow up in uh, Central Jersey? I actually grew up in Hazlitt Township, which is in Monmouth County. Yeah. So not too far from where I live now, Middletown. Um, I'm a Monmouth County girl, too. But do you consider it Central Jersey or North Jersey? It's East Central. Roan came to my attention when I was applying for college. Obviously, and uh, it was at the time one of the most affordable schools there was, and that was you know how I selected the school ROI, you know, return on investment, and uh, it turned out to be a wonderful experience here. Great education, uh, obviously, you know, really grateful for all the time that I he- had here as a student. Were you always college bound? It was like were your parents like yeah. were were they pushing you, or were you self motivated to say no? This is going to be my career path. I'm first generation college. Okay. Uh, my dad was a U.S. Marine. My dad, actually, if I could take a step back, because yeah. it's worth talking about my dad a little bit, because I think it tells a lot about who I've become. Uh, my dad grew up in Newark, New Jersey, in the projects, uh, food insecure, working his butt off every single day to provide for the family and his other siblings who were younger than him. And his route out of the ghetto really was the Vietnam War, mm. which is a tough way. Yeah, that's a tough way to get to out. get out. A lot of people were trying to avoid that route. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and he, actually, he actually volunteered for it. Um, so, yeah, I, actually, I was just talking to him about this the other day. It was about 118 pounds when he graduated high school. So at 18, he goes to basic training down in Paris Island for the Marines. And when most people are sweating their butts off, doing PT every single day and losing weight, he actually put on 30 pounds. Oh, wow. It's the first time he had three square meals every single day. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a thought. Yeah. I always wanted to serve our country. I wanted to be a Marine just like my dad. And he encouraged me and my sisters to go to college. And he viewed that as education, as our path to make a better opportunity for our next generation. Mm-hmm. And so despite the approach that I wanted to take, I, I listened and I studied and I made college happen. And it's really what connected me more closely to Rowan. Yep. Because upon graduation, you know, Rowan, this is t- 23 years ago I graduated. Rowan was much different. The gift of $100 million from Henry Rowan back in 1992 really began to see the change of growth and development here. But at the time that I graduated, I I studied business. There were not many financial services firms recruiting from New York, which is where I wanted to work. I had job opportunities local to the area, and I held out to get a job on Wall Street. And I started very entry-level job working in operations, which is basically the pipes and plumbing of the financial system. I think for me, when I first came back to Rowan after graduating, the one thing that prompted me to give back more was to see and help other students access things that I didn't have access to when I first graduated. Mm. Are you one of many siblings? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. You're the oldest? I am the youngest. <gasps> oh, no. I peg you for an older sibling. Why? Why did you say that? I don't know. You well, he knows my sister. Okay. So the oldest is typically like the overachiever of the family. And mm. you've achieved quite a bit. I think, you know, we are, uh, when you say achieve... I, I sort of think of success for me more as how many people can I help? How many people can I serve? How many people can I bring along for the ride that I've embarked on? And my sisters are cut very much the same way. And I think it just started very basic and very early on in our household. One yeah. benefit that we had growing up was a really strong family element 
really well-connected family, uh, supportive family, loving family, which is a huge advantage. We didn't have someone showing us the way post-college. You know, that was a bit different. We certainly valued hard work and grit and determination sort of to make ourselves better and stronger and uh, elevate ourselves. Um, and we all give, and we give in different ways. Uh, I have a sister who works in healthcare and another sister who's an educator. Hmm. So tell us about your journey at Rowan. What was that like for you? I studied business finance. I think it was a whole new world of experience for me. First time really living away. For me, I, I think that growth of independence really helped set a strong foundation for me. You know, I, I've heard you talk on this podcast about other professors that have had a meaningful impact. Uh, Professor Pritchard, who studied finance, and for some, something that he that really resonated with me was the compound effect. And he's really talking about the compound effect of money, mm-hmm. right? And so save early, invest early, and let that money grow and do the work for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I came from a blue-collar background, right, where y- your body did the work, yep. right? Yeah. Um, your money didn't do the work, right? Uh, y- your body did the work in order to provide food on the table. So for me, it was a whole new concept, the fact that money could help you uh, grow and create new opportunities for you. And so it was my first view of a whole new component. And compound effect, it not only works for money, but I think it works in your life too. Mm-hmm. You know, because people often ask, what do you want to be? And I don't think you really get to choose what you want to be, but you choose what you do in your day and what, how you spend your time in your day. Yep. And those things lead you to live a more fruitful life or a more a life filled with more experience or more opportunity yeah they add up and and that's really goes back to the compound effect right what do you what are we doing every day so my grandfather had a saying like you've always pay yourself first so you know no matter how much you made even if you put five dollars a week away and i feel like that's something that has you know trickled down for through our family it's those learned lessons of you know if you pay yourself first in the long run that's really going to add up so it's a good lesson to know to have and i wish i'm so glad that more schools are doing like financial literacy programs just to educate young people about the compound effect and how to invest but also how to look at schools right because how many how many kids don't understand that okay uh i can go to this larger d1 school be for, paying for it for the rest of my paying life. for the rest of my life yeah. or you know, come to a much more affordable option here. And that's not a commercial for Rowan, but it's a commercial just for being smart and being savvy and ROI that you talked about earlier. What had you interested in finance? Did you always, were you always kind of like a money guy or I just? No, the... I, I think I had, my first job was a paper route. Okay. So it was my first real a- like, opportunity. Like paper boy, like you're throwing it out of your Throwing papers, bike. yeah. It. But I viewed it like a business in I didn't know what a business was at the time, but I just knew that, one, you had to keep your existing customers happy. Uh, If you wanted to grow the amount of income that you could generate so I could buy a better bike so Mm -hmm. I could make my deliveries a little bit more quickly, Um, I had to grow my customer base, right? So it's a little bit of sales, customer service, uh, a little bit of grit, a little waking up super early before... The sun was up to Come make on, it happen. Come on, Mike. There we go, Mike. That's <laughs> right. what we're talking about. Uh, and, and maybe that was my first real experience with business without really knowing it. And uh, when I started to study here, I think I just had a sense f- that that was the direction I wanted to go. I didn't know what the world of finance looked like, but it ended up working really well for me because I think it was something inherent in me that 
gravitated towards that type of work. This is the first guest that we've had, um, Jessica Rose, where <laughs> we were on the campus at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not the first guest that's been on campus the same time as you, is it? No, but I mean, like, as far as our graduation year. Oh, oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. So we both arrived the same time, so very similar, like, campus experiences. Mm -hmm. I remember coming here, and it was Rowan College, and they gave out the shirt that said Rowan College on it, and it was the outline of Bunts. But then we became a university, and they put slats on the tower. Like <laughs> they had a little just, bit more money. They added a little bit more money for them to print yeah. the, print the T-shirt and stuff like that. It was good. Well, but, then we started in '96 together. Yes, '96 was the first school, first year of the engineering program, right? So the the 1992 gift from Henry Rowan yeah. was the largest gift to a public institution at its time, hundred million dollars. Henry Rowan, as you know, didn't go to Rowan. He lived in the area. But he knew that uh, his money was far more impactful in and around this community than it would have been at, say, MIT, where he uh, studied engineering. Yeah. Now, right. as students coming in in 96, were you very aware of the Henry Rowan gift? Because by the time I was coming to college, it was 2004. I only knew it as really Rowan in my time. And we didn't grow up around the area, so we didn't really know of Glassboro State. But did you were you very aware that there was a gift here? Because I feel like people that had come at that time say, like, I heard there was money here or my guidance counselor told me to come because of the gift. Like, what was did that impact any of your decision making or did you know? Being, I just remember being Rowan the yeah. entire time. It really wasn't. I don't remember like focusing on the gift so much. The, yeah. the, the knowledge I had of it was many friends of mine were engineering program majors and they got scholarships uh, to come to Rowan to establish the engineering program. And that was the one stipulation that Henry Rowan had was that he wanted a world-class engineering program. Yeah. So we went from inception in 1996 to top 15 in the country engineering program over, you know, less than a 30-year period. Which is it's, amazing. It's astonishing. It's incredible. Right? Yeah. And it's, it, it's um, you know, I think he would be really proud about the impact that that gift has had here. Um, I'm really proud helping serve Rowan's Foundation, where we invest not only his gift, but we've been able to attract additional gifts between the Henry Rowan gift and our quasi-endowment and and the growth of of investing those gifts and Many since uh, it's a six hundred and fifty million dollar endowment and quasi endowment, so it's grown significantly, and it is through the growth, uh, partly through the growth of of those funds that help support the larger university and the mission to support affordable education, high quality education to attract more students to get educated, which is something I'm extremely passionate about because for me, the education made all the difference. It yeah. was it was the the first giant leap to get me on the map towards fulfilling a higher purpose and creating new opportunities, not only for me, but, you know, everyone that I aim to support thereafter. Sure. 18-year-old Mikey comes in. Can I call him Mikey? Why don't you ask him, not right. me. 18-year-old <laughs> Mikey comes in and you come into business now. Do you know exactly what path you're going to follow in business or did it take you a year or two to kind of find out, like, this is the lane I want to go in? I studied finance again. You know, I think until you start working full time, sure. All the theoretical stuff, it's it's hard to know what that really means and how to apply it. And so it wasn't really until I started working professionally that really I'd like to go back and redo that education again, like now knowing what I know today. Well, so would I. <laughs> I mean, look, I enjoyed my time. But oh, yeah. Come on. Sure. 
Well, you're going back. You're going. I'm going back. But yeah. And you're this going is, back for. I, I want to be Mike Canale. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to do. <laughs> exactly. Essentially, is go back in time and try to recreate that. Mm-hmm. You know. As I advanced in my career, I started to figure out more and more what my interests where the, those lied, and, and I love you know building business, growing business, accelerating the growth of business using tech, using a, a wide range of things to help elevate and support a business. But I think the people factor is the thing that's most important to me, right? And, and I've had great opportunities in my career to serve committees that are focused on advancement and development of especially our younger staff, right? Because when I graduated from college, again, I didn't enter a program. I started in operations, which is the building blocks of the financial services industry. And there was a lot for me to learn. Um, and I quickly learned that I wanted to advance into a front office role. Um, and I just spent a lot of time learning about what that is, interacting with folks in, in those types of roles, yep. supporting them all along the way, trying to find opportunities to support others, to give them opportunities to learn and grow themselves. And were you in New York City right after? Yeah, I started in New York. Because I think New York is so intimidating. Oh my God, no, Jess, absolutely. Right? Now my sister worked there like forever. Um, I I couldn't. I would like go visit her like Christmas time and like cut, get off the bus, and I was just I couldn't do no, it because like, it's overwhelming. There's so it's many. So overwhelming. I don't so know. Tight. I have so much respect for people that work in New York City, the Mikes, my sisters of the world, because you really have to work hard to make a name for yourself there and to advance there. And I just even walking down the street, I'm like, where am I? I'm, I'm not a city girl by no. any means. So I think even just having a career where you go into I sound like such a child where you go into New York City or as my parents would say you go to business that's that's intimidating were you intimidated at all to go into New York City or was it very like part of you know growing up in Central Jersey were you in New York a lot yeah we grew up in the shadow I mean I might have admit to cutting a class or two in spending the day in New York I knew there was something on his (laughs) records that I saw I knew there was something I saw there's a blemish yeah I think it it, it is daunting uh, initially and then it just becomes part of like anything else, the more grow and explore, the more it becomes sort of part of the day. But I, I certainly appreciate it. It's a it's a world class city. Obviously, it attracts a lot of tourists for good reason. Mm-hmm. It attracts a lot of investment, a lot of talent, uh, a lot of talent, and I, I get to be surrounded by it. But one of the other cities, Mike, that you were in, that I want to talk about. And you know, I got to bring it up. Mm-hmm. I love London. Yeah. <laughs> I love. You talk London. about London. Every episode, Rob talks about London on every podcast, and I think I talk about Hamilton. Yeah, on every podcast. I mean, obviously, there's some roots there, but I circled it and I, and I underlined it. I'm like, so talk to me about London. Yeah, tell well, me everything about it. Well, actually, so I had a study abroad program. Oh, very when cool. I was here, it was my junior year, and I went to Coventry. Uh, just kind of picked it off of the map because I didn't really know much about it. I traveled there with a, a another Rowan. A uh, friend of mine, Keith Jacobson, who's a supporter of the business school as well. We studied there. It was my first international experience, aside from maybe Canada. But culturally, Canada is pretty similar to here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and it was really eye-opening, right? Um, I think a lot of Americans, you grow up here, the world that we view is very U.S.-centric, right? But there's a lot going on outside this outside of this country. And it was a great perspective builder for me. It was a great opportunity to meet people from not just England, but from all across Europe who came to Coventry to study. Uh, Coventry University was uh, hammered 
during World War II, it was the manufacturing hub. So all of the um, car manufacturers and uh, machinery and equipment manufacturers and then ultimately like tank manufacturers were based in Coventry. And they just got hammered by the Blitzkrieg. And they rebuilt that city. They rose from the ashes, right? And uh, so I got my first real experience seeing history firsthand. I knew that I wanted to go back and live internationally at some point in my career. It took me a while, right? It took me a while to build the base of my career. You know, I mentioned I started in operations. I moved on to a trading desk. I could talk about, so I could talk trading desk all day long with this guy. Yeah, it'd be fun. We could maybe on this a side oh, show. Sorry, we'll do a different <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really interesting place, you know, sitting on a trading floor, understanding the markets, what's, you know, how are we serving our clients. Great education there and um I asked a manager one day if I would be considered at some point in the future for an international assignment. And, you know, it took a few years, right, of proving myself and growing my capabilities before I got a tap on the shoulder to say, hey, listen, we have an opportunity in the UK. And I had an opportunity to run a trading desk out in the UK, you know, build and grow that business. But I had to do it while learning new culture, Mm -hmm. workplace culture, right? I had to take new securities registration exams in the Queen's English, which was unique. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I learned so much in that period of time. I ended up being there for two years, and which was not enough time. But in two years, I probably learned more than the last 10, just because you're immersed in, in, you're forced out of your comfort zone, forced to make new friends. And one of the coolest thing about it was on my trading desk, there were people from every country. Yeah, so talk about diversity. Talk, talk about learning from other people and their backgrounds and their upbringings. And it was so valuable for perspective. I came back and started to look for, this is before I came to Rowan, but I came back um, from that trip and started looking for jobs over there right away. I was like, I got to get over there. And obviously, this, 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 I, we always talk about this, but would you really go solo over there? You know, that's I'm a, I'm a. I know you're like an in, like an introvert. I am. And you're I'm like a, a fake extrovert. I am, but yeah. I, I could totally run solo somewhere. Yeah, I keep. I always talked about going off the grid in my my you know elder years, mm-hmm. like on some like. You're there, right? I am. I'm like I'm, I'm like ten years away from it. Actually, <laughs> I'll see you in Colorado. All right, tell us a ho- what about Hong Kong. How long were you in before Hong I go Kong to Hong Kong? Can I can I close out the London? Story? Yeah, please, I think this please. is Rob's a, like any chance. This is a, a really really London. cool anecdote. I think is that um, I was in London. I was working there during the height of the credit crisis, which mm. is a oh, wild yes. time to be out there. I had decided after being there for two years that I wanted to remain there. That I wanted to live the rest of my life in Europe. And unfortunately, the credit crisis hit. Um, you know, banks were downsizing. Um, my bank was reducing our employee footprint in our local office, and I was there as an expat. So they basically told me I had to go home. Mm. And I was really, really disappointed at that prospect after living abroad for a while. And it turns out that the day after I arrived, I, well, I kind of remet my now wife. Ah, there right? we so go. So you talk about silver linings. You know, everything at, happened at, for a reason. At the yeah. time, I thought, this is this is tough. This is something I don't want to do. And and now I have two beautiful kids. Been married for twelve plus years. Um, you know, really met a perfect person for me. And you know, really grateful that I had had that opportunity and that experience. And you know, was able to make a great um, pivot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Now forget Hong Kong. I love a love story. Yeah. <laughs> 
you said you re-met her. Did you grow up together? Well, where, where else but down at the Jersey Shore? Oh, oh boy. never found love at the Jersey Shore, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we were among mutual friends for, for many, many years. I don't think we really had a serious conversation until, you know, the day after I returned, July 4th, 2009. Oh, right? he knows that the day. day. Right? And then we just hit it off in that convo, really got to know each other a little bit better and started dating after that and got engaged within a year, married within a year after that. And when you know, I think you know. Wow. Speedy. Speedy Jersey Shore. Right, love. What, what shore, by the yeah, way? Yeah, what, yeah. Where's your where's your beach? Uh, we were at Jenkinson's. Oh, um, point. What is that? That's point. point. Oh, okay, point blessing. Come on. Now, now you're at J.P. Morgan. You've been at J.P. Morgan for... 12 years now. Yeah, that's, Almost a, that's a bit of time. Yeah, it's a fair amount of time. Love the company, love the culture. And what's your role there? Uh, I'm a relationship manager for institutional investors. Uh, J.P. Morgan serves a wide variety of institutional investors, sovereign wealth funds, and you know some of the most sophisticated investors out there are my clients, and I just help them navigate you know, our variety of product offerings to help them better serve their customers. Well, you're helping and serving here at Rowan, right? So we have, we've got a lot of involvement from, from Mike. So why don't you talk about what you're involved in here at the university and... How, how you even found out yeah. about those opportunities. Yeah, really, it just started, as I mentioned, coming back here and volunteering my time to help students sort of navigate the internship process, the interview process. And the more I got involved here, the more I realized I had something to offer, right? And, and, you know, I think for different people, many people wait, right? They feel like they have to hit a certain uh, title or have had so many years of experience before they're aimed and equipped to give back. But I think the most valuable lesson for me was everyone has something to give and everyone has something to benefit from that gift, right? So the sooner you can start, the sooner you can grow and build. Um, and so for me, um, yeah, I just started with helping students out and I was asked to do a little bit more and so on and so forth. And before long, I was asked to serve on the foundation board, which as we talked about, invests uh, the endowment and we, we aim to build and grow that endowment to support the university. So it's been extremely valuable and rewarding. I'm surrounded by such a wide group of different professionals that have been successful all in their own rights that give a lot of their time and energy on a volunteer basis to support this institution and its students and the community around it. And, you know, I'm inspired by them every single day. I'm inspired by by our students and by the prospects of this school, you know, it's just beginning the growth. Over the last 10 years, enrollments doubled, you know, from 12,000 to 22,000 or 11,000 to 22,000 over the last 10 years. Um, the economic imprint of this school is growing. I think we had 1,400 faculty or staff members of the school. We have over 4,000 now. Rowan's becoming an economic engine uh, not just of this town, but of this county, of this region. And one thing I'm really proud of is the Rowan Innovation Venture Fund. Um, and I'll, if I could talk about that sure. for, for a second, right? This, this is something that we spun off from the foundation. Our foundation invests in a wide variety of investment opportunities to support the growth of the, of, of the, the foundation itself. And one thing that we do is invest in um, venture capital. And venture capital is investment in an early stage company to help 
bring a, an idea from seed to a legitimate company to build and grow and maybe disrupt different businesses to 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 accelerate change and uh, about seven years ago we allocated five million dollars to the Rowan Innovation Venture Fund last year given the success of that uh, that fund in, in investing in companies that were born by Rowan students, alumni, professors, we decided to allocate another $20 million. And we're begin beginning to invest that, that money over the, the next few years to accelerate change. And, and, and I think all of the mission of Rowan University um, and the opportunities that we're providing I view Rowan Innovation Venture Fund as an accelerant of those things. And it's something that's going to really help grow, you know, not only regional prominence, but I think we're going to begin to get the attention on a national level at this school for all the good things that we're doing. And how do people plug into the Venture Fund if they're interested? Yeah, so um, there's certainly information out there on we could support or supply via yep. this podcast. Sure. Right? I, I am the chair of the Rowan Innovation Venture Fund, but I work with Ernie Holt Holtzheimer, who's a past guest of your show. Ernie did great last time. He's amazing. One of the most energized, inspiring Rowan graduates that I know. Uh, he dedicates a lot of his time and attention and experience in helping build and grow this fund. He's the managing director of the fund. You know, we have a wide variety of things that we do to support the fund, Ernie. Uh, you know, along with our screening committee, which is made up of industry professionals, look, we basically have a shark tank. Yeah, it's great. Once a month, right? Where we bring in students, alumni, uh, local entrepreneurs uh, for them to pitch their ideas. And, and if, if there's a good strategic fit with the university, we'll invest in them and we'll see that they get the resources they need to build and grow their companies. And, you know, as a result, those companies are going to begin hiring interns, right? And there'll be opportunities for students to get involved um, through fellowship programs to work on the venture fund or to help us support the things that we need to do to um, administer the venture program itself. So it, it's a great ecosystem, and I'd say little ecosystem right now that's going to continue to grow and build and provide a lot of momentum for the school. I'm really excited for the world of possibility and opportunity ahead for us. So we had uh, Ernie on previously, and we mentioned that Ernie's a big runner. Mm -hmm. And then Mike's like, I do more than run. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to put a little competition together here. Can you see what I'm doing here? <laughs> Sorry, Ernie. No, if it, you, you mentioned you do a little bit more, but you said Ernie is encouraging you. like you're a little accountability you, partner. You know, when I, when I was younger, I used to do more endurance events. I used okay. to do marathons. I did uh, Ironman. I did Ironman with my wife. And explain what an Ironman is for folks. So an Ironman is a uh, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, followed by a marathon. Um, That's disgusting. Uh, but <laughs> now er Ernie, Ernie does them now, but he is addicted to the Ironman and he's doing multiples in a year. I dabbled, right? And Ernie's trying to rope me into picking it back up again. I haven't done any any long endurance events in a while since I've had my children. Um, and they're old. They're like 10. They're right? a little bit older. <laughs> so I, tr I, tr I try to keep the amount of training time to a, a smaller amount so yeah. I have more time with sure, them. Sure, 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 sure. But, um, you know, he's trying to rope me in. I don't know. And we appreciate that you hike all the way from 
you know, Middletown to Rowan because it is, you know, a good hour and a half solid drive. But I think you're like a, a good inspiration for folks that you don't have to live like right in the very close geographical region to get involved and give back and find ways to, you know, support your alma mater. So I think that that's really neat. But you are great. You do make your way here a lot. Well, I'm happy to be here. I think there's a, a wide variety of opportunities for people, especially I would encourage any alum, if they haven't been back here, come check it out. Um, that would be my one huge takeaway, right? It's been extremely valuable for me to volunteer my time and energy here because of all of the impact that I've seen, all of the growth, and it's incredibly rewarding, and everyone has something to give. And I'd really love to see more alumni get more engaged. I think oftentimes you get busy with your life, and you know, even a 10-minute phone call with a student can be invaluable to them to give them some guidance for what, how they can clear their next obstacle, whatever it may be. And so you can have an immense impact on the next generation so is he not like the nicest guy in the world he is so kind and we after we kind of finished recording we stayed and chatted for another i don't know half hour or so but then we had to let him go because he has foundation board responsibilities today very active cat with us which is very appreciative because we love that he invests you know in the university in so many different ways so it's awesome yeah he has a 12 to 7 commitment today so it's no joke but our foundation board we're so incredibly grateful for what they do and how they invest in the university and its students and i just loved having having mike on um i love a central jersey guy he he lives in the same neighborhood as my sister which we randomly found out when we met years ago which i just think is such a small world thing so I, I just I like that our worlds have collided over the years. I'm I'm excited to have had the chance to know him. Now I said it on the show. I want to be like Mike. It's kind of like a, a, a I don't know. It's like, like a, that commercial. Commercial, yeah. Was that a milk commercial? I think so. Did you watch? This is so off topic. But did you watch the <laughs> um, like Michael Jordan? I know. Did you watch the Michael? I mean, they're old at this point. But the yeah. Michael Jordan docs. No, I didn't. Oh no, I did. I did. I did. Yeah, and yeah. I, I got a better appreciation for him because I wasn't a fan of his growing up. I still am not a big fan, but I really? do appreciate his skills. Yeah. Why? But that's a deeper thing. Oh, man. We have to talk yeah. about this offline. Well, well I have much to discuss with Rob, but I will not drag you on the Michael Jordan journey. But thank you for joining us for the Michael Canalan journey. You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio On Demand. 